Good morning. Our passage today is from Luke 23, verses 44 to 56. It was now about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour, while the sun's light failed, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Then Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Having said this, he breathed his last. Now, when the centurion saw what had taken place, he praised God, saying, Certainly this man was innocent. And all the crowds that had assembled for the spectacle, when they saw what had taken place, returned home beating their breasts. And all his acquaintances and the women who had followed him from Galilee stood at a distance watching these things. Now there was a man named Joseph from the Jewish town of Arimathea. He was a member of the council, a good and righteous man who had not consented to their decision and action, and he was looking for the kingdom of God. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then he took it down and wrapped it in a linen shroud and laid him in a tomb cut in stone, where no one had ever yet been laid. It was a day of preparation and a Sabbath was beginning. The women who had come with him from Galilee followed and saw the tomb and how his body was laid. Then they returned and prepared spices and ointments. On the Sabbath, they rested according to the commandment. Hey everyone, I'm Andy and um, we're going to be looking at the Bible together. We've had our reading from the scripture from the Gospel of Luke. And um, just before we get into it, I just uh, felt... I wanted to share a couple of words. Maybe they'll resonate with someone who's listening today. Uh, the first word that I felt is this. I felt that um, there's someone here and you've really been struggling with your eyesight and with kind of a pain behind your eyes. And um, uh, actually you need to go see the doctor because you need glasses and you just, you're just not getting there in your head. So I just wanted to tell you today, you need glasses and you need to go and uh, get them checked out. So there's a word for someone. Uh, the other word uh, that I felt uh, just as I was praying for you this morning uh, was around someone here. You, you've, you've felt prompted to give some money away and it's quite a lot of money. I felt it's, it's in the region of a thousand pounds that you want to give as a gift to someone or to something. And um, you've just been asking God to confirm it. And so uh, my word to you today from God is uh, yes, it is the right thing to do. It's incredibly generous. It's a large amount of money, uh, but go for it with all your heart because you felt prompted and it's the right thing to do. So I hope that uh, blesses somebody today. Uh, we're going to be looking at this, uh, these last few moments uh, of Jesus on the cross before he dies, following on from David uh, speaking last week. And um, just before we get into the Bible, because this is such a significant a wonderful uh, moment in history. Uh, I just want to pray for us. So let's pray together. As Jesus was pierced by the nails, may the gospel pierce us this morning. As Jesus was fixed unmoving to the cross, may the love of God transfix us, pin us this morning. As Jesus was buried in a cave, May we also be immersed into the wonderful story of Easter this morning. And as Jesus abandoned himself to death into the hands of God, 
may we also abandon ourselves fully into your hands today, O oh, Father. Amen. You know, I don't get back to Cyprus often, uh, to where I was born, uh, but when I do, one of the things I do is I find the sea and just kind of lie back for ages and just kind of abandon myself to the sea and this sense of home and freedom. And um, uh, in a sense, I feel that's what we need to be doing with this gospel story. It's familiar, it's wonderful, but we need to kind of just let stuff go, even now, just let stuff go and abandon yourself into the arms of God, into this love, this grace today. Just relax into it and allow the gospel to work in your life in Jesus' name. So our passage is Luke chapter 23 uh, from verse 44. I'm just going to make a few comments on this, but then we're really going to focus on on one thing, on the, the, the tearing of the temple curtain. And we're just going to think about what does that mean for us today. So uh, Luke chapter 23 and verse 44, it was now about the sixth hour and there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour when the sun's light failed and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. So six hour is uh, 12 p.m. Uh, and the ninth hour is 3 p.m. So this three hours in the afternoon. Now remember there are upwards of a million people in the city for Passover as Liz told us a few weeks ago. The city is heaving. There's, they've come from all over the world to celebrate this festival. Um, and so there are loads of eyewitnesses to this. To, to the sky going dark in the afternoon, uh, to the temple curtain tearing. There's, there's loads of people that saw it. And Luke has gone there uh, a few years later to do his research, to interview eyewitnesses. And he could be quite confident in saying these things happened. And actually, outside of uh, the Bible, Jewish literature also talks about these things. And we'll have a little look at that later and a gentile historian uh, called Thallus writing in AD 52 he knew about these things as well he talks about these things happening so th these things happened there's plenty of people that were witnesses to them then verse 46 Jesus calling out with a loud voice said father into your hands I commit my spirit and that's as David described crucifixion to us last week it's all about not being able to breathe and your chest clothing in on itself but Jesus manages to summon a loud voice as his final words and then these words into your hands I commit my spirit this was from Psalm 32 and pious Jews would would pray these words at night before they went to bed father into your hands I commit my spirit, it's like when we pray, now I lay me down to sleep, my heart and soul are yours to keep. If I should die uh, before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take, or whatever it is that you pray before you go to bed. So Jesus is taking a prayer that they'd normally pray as they fell asleep. And as he falls into the sleep of death, he's praying, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. But he adds this word, Father, that's not there in the psalm, uh, to say this is a, a personal thing. Hey, Father, I'm coming to you now. I commit myself to you. And then he dies. Verse 47. Now, when the centurion saw what had taken place, he praised God, saying, certainly this man was innocent. So the Roman soldier who's responsible for the crucifixion sees this and says these things. So it's another unlikely person 
affected by the crucifixion. David showed us last week uh, that on the way to the cross, Simon of Cyrene is an African man. What's he even doing in Jerusalem is affected by the cross. The daughters of Jerusalem who are weeping in that moment. Women again, as Luke has kept uh, highlighting this marginal group in his society. And then the criminal on the cross who's a sentenced criminal uh, suffering the death sentence. And Jesus says, today you'll be with me in paradise. And now there's another marginal, unlikely person. Actually, the Roman soldier, the very ones that are responsible for the crucifixion, responds when he sees Jesus and the way that he dies. Uh, Verse 48, and all the crowds had assembled for this spectacle when they saw what had taken place, they returned home beating their breasts. And all his acquaintances and all the women who had followed him from Galilee stood at a distance watching these things. So that's, that's the scene. And really what I, what I felt uh, I wanted to talk about today was just to zoom in on verse 45 and look at five things that the, the, the tearing of the temple curtain means for us. This happened, loads of people saw it. Um, it, It's not a curtain like these flimsy things here. Uh, We're talking an enormous entrance to the temple, an enormously thick, uh, they, they said when they wanted to wash it, it took 300 men to kind of take it down, wash it, put it back up again. Uh, This massively significant thing in their holiest of buildings. And um, what does it mean that it tore in two from top to bottom? This is what we're going to look at. And we're going to look at five things, okay? So number one is about access to the presence of God. You see, one of the things that was on the curtain were there were cherubim, embroidered into the curtain and um when we lost our home in eden right at the beginning of the story because of sin thrown out of the garden then god put at the entrance to the garden he put cherubim there with fiery swords so that adam and eve couldn't get back in again and um you so cherubim are guardians of the presence guardians of the holy space uh, uh, sometimes I wonder, did Adam and Eve try and sneak back, you know, at night? Maybe the cherubim were asleep. Let's try and sneak back. But the cherubim don't sleep. And they say, you cannot come in here. You know, uh, and, and so they're a symbol of our lack of access, actually, because we're unclean. We can't go into something, some place so clean. Uh, and then later, when they had the tabernacle in the wilderness, the tent that was like a temple. And then later, when Solomon built his temple and now this temple, uh, they had cherubim embroidered on the curtain. So we read about it in Exodus, for example. And you shall make the veil of blue and purple and scarlet yarn and fine twisted linen. And it shall be made with cherubim skillfully worked into it. Make sure it's skillfully worked in. And so you've got this, this symbol of you cannot come in here. You shall not pass if you like. It's a no entry sign. But now... That curtain has been torn down. That no entry sign has been smashed. The door has been opened and there's an invitation because of the death of Jesus. So we can come home. Hallelujah. Sin banished us, but now sin has been removed. The curse kept us at arm's length, but now the curse is gone. We don't need the guardians anymore. The cherubim are off duty. They are 
dismissed from their job. I don't know what they're doing now, but they're not guarding the presence of God anymore because we're allowed in. We can come in. We can come home. We have access to God by the Holy Spirit. We can approach. We can pray. We can draw near with confidence. We can come into the presence of our Father. If, if you're like me and you're not really from anywhere or you don't live where your home is now, this is incredibly meaningful because we lost our home. We're all refugees since Eden, wandering around, not fitting in anywhere. But now we have a home. When we're in the presence of God, we feel like we're at home. We feel welcome and accepted and invited. Everyone's invited, even you, even me. So number one is this, we now have access. It's beautiful, it's amazing. The second thing that's happening when the temple curtain gets torn down, there's an unveiling, there's a, a revelation of God showing himself to us, God coming to us. So as well as having cherubim on the curtains, the other thing is uh, it had stars on it. And it was purple colored like the purple sky. And uh, Josephus, one of the historians that was just a little bit after this time in the first century, he said, you know, the, the Jewish people considered that this curtain kind of represented the sky. Now, why would they have that? Well, because what they believed is that God lives in the sky. That's why sometimes when we talk about heaven in a lazy way, we talk about it being up, you know, heaven's up there. You know, so God lived in the sky. And then there's this kind of the sky, the barrier with the stars in it. And then down here, there's humans. So we're divided. We're distant. God's up there. People are down here. And there's this barrier in between. And that's why often in the Old Testament, you get prayers that say things like Isaiah 64. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. And they're saying, God, why don't you rip open the sky and then come down through the hole and be where people are? Show yourself. Don't hide behind the sky. God, we need you to come. Now, at the baptism of Jesus, that's exactly what happens. That's exactly what happens. Jesus goes into the water. He's baptized. And as he comes out of the water, it says the sky was torn open. And the voice of the father came out of the sky saying, this is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. And then the Holy Spirit came down through the hole in the sky in bodily form like a dove and rested on Jesus. So what you have is you have God fully revealed in this moment as Trinity. You've got the Son identifying with us being baptised. You've got God the Father speaking from heaven, his voice coming. And then you've got God the Holy Spirit descending like a dove. So God comes, but just for a moment, just in that one scene. Now here we have exactly the same language, just as the sky was torn there. So now a curtain come sky a, a curtain that represents the sky is torn open and god comes down so we have a, a, a cosmic terror a, a rent in the firmament a rip in the 
space-time continuum, a making of the invisible visible, a making of the future presence. The spiritual realm breaks into the material realm, if you like. He has come to us. And now we have, because of the death of Jesus, we have the voice of the Father. We have the gift of the Holy Spirit. We have God fully revealed as three in one, Father, Son, and Spirit. He has come to us. Does anybody need to know that today? God is no longer secret, mysterious, hidden, silent, distant. God is visible in Jesus Christ. You can know him. God is audible in the Holy Spirit. You can hear his voice. God is present through the death of Jesus. He did rend the heavens and come down. We don't need to pray, oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. He did. And he's come. And he's present. Do you need to know that today? The third wonderful thing that, that this rending of the curtain at the death of Jesus shows us. It's, it's a lot like, actually, when the, the Red Sea was split into two at Passover to make a way for the people to come out of Egypt. Torn in two is the same as what happens in Exodus chapter 14 and verse 21. We read, Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and the Lord drove back the sea by a strong east wind all night. And he made the sea dry land and the waters were divided into two. And in the same way here, the curtain is divided into two. So what, remember the story of Exodus, of Passover. The people were enslaved by an evil king. There was injustice, oppression, pain, uh, promising something that never delivered, uh, restricted movement. They were slaves in Egypt. But then through the blood of the lamb, sacrificed at Passover in April, out of slavery they come. They face an impossible barrier, the sea. The Egyptians are behind them. Moses stretches out his hand. God blows the sea parts into two. The people come out into freedom, into a new life. And it's the same with us. The Bible says that the story of Passover, the story of Exodus is our story. That just like they were slaves in Egypt, we were held captive by sin, held captive by our desires, by our lusts, by our pride, by our anger, held captive in sin. And that just like they were set free at Passover by the blood of a lamb sacrificed in April, so Jesus, the spotless lamb sacrificed at Passover in Jerusalem, his blood lets us be free. And this impossible barrier is torn in two. And out we come. Out we come through a miraculous way made open through the blood of the Lamb. And so I don't know what you need to come out of today. But the seas have opened. Jesus has died and you can come out. What has power over you? 
What is enslaving you? What's trapping you? What's restricting your movement and making you claustrophobic and causing you to suffer? Is it a, a way of thinking? Is it a pattern of behavior? Is it a series of bad decisions that's trapped you and enslaved you? Is it some kind of addiction? There is a supernatural way out today. There's power through the blood of Jesus and through the parting of what was unpartable. There's a way out today, so come out in Jesus' name. Yes. So that's three. We've got two more to go. And number four, what else is going on when we see this curtain parted? Well, we see that it's a portent against the temple. It's a sign of the fullness of time coming, of newness. So... Jesus has been prophesying against the temple loads during his ministry and particularly during the last week. They've got this big shiny temple covered in gold that they love. And Jesus is saying, you're not going to need that anymore because something new is coming. And you're so not going to need that anymore that actually it's going to be destroyed because you don't need it anymore because you've got me now. And so... Jesus has been saying this. They don't believe him. They've got this massive, shiny temple. Ancient people were pretty superstitious. And so when the sky goes dark and when the, the temple is affected, the curtain right at the entrance is ripped. They see these as evil omens, as signs. Wow, maybe this prophet was right. And the, the people beat their breasts in anguish and go away. So this sign vindicates everything that Jesus was prophesying. He said, within a generation, it's going to happen. And actually, we know he's dying in AD 30. At AD 70, so 40 years later, a generation later, the Roman armies will come and they will attack, surround and attack Jerusalem and they will tear down the temple. And later Jewish writing looked back on this time at the, as the beginning of the end. Later Jewish writing looks back and says, all these strange signs started happening 40 years before the destruction of the temple as warnings that the end was coming. This was the beginning of the end for the temple. Why? Because you don't need the temple anymore because Jesus is here. You don't need sacrifices anymore because the perfect sacrifice has died once and for all. You don't need priests anymore because the high priest has come. And so Matthew Henry, he said this. 500 years ago, by this reading, by this rending of the veil, was signified the taking away of the ceremonial law and of all other difficulties and discouragements in our approaches to God, so that now we may come boldly to the throne of grace. Everything that was old is taken away because something new has come. The fullness of time has come. And there is another ripping of cloth in this story, another unveiling. Just before he dies, Jesus' garments are taken from him. His, his clothes are taken from him and they are ripped to be divided among the soldiers. And Jesus is crucified naked, unveiled. Jesus is the new temple. You don't need that temple because you've got him now. What is a temple? It's a place where God lives. Well, Jesus is where God lives. It's a place where God and man can meet and interact. Well, Jesus is where God and man can meet and interact. So his body is the new 
temple, the new holy place, and now it's been unveiled. And Kenneth Bailey, he, he, he puts it like this, and it's, it's beautiful, it's a stunning thing. There is a new holy of holies. The most sacred focus of faith is no longer a darkened chamber at the back of a building seen only by the high priest once a year. Rather, the new holy of holies is a dying saviour unveiled on a hill before the entire world. A dying saviour unveiled on a hill before the entire world. So these two events are inseparable. There's no point Jesus dying and you still having a temple in Jerusalem. Because he's come now. He's accessible to all peoples in all corners of the world at all times in all places. You don't need a building anymore. You've got Jesus. We don't need the old way anymore. We've got the new way. The old has gone and the new has come. And this is important for us. Why? Because we don't have to go to Jerusalem on pilgrimage. We don't have special buildings. As lockdown unlocks, it's not suddenly going to come up, become about Reading Girls School being like a temple or a holy place anymore. And just as you've known God with you in your home, in your workplace, in what you do, uh, you can know God with you still. The temple is where you are. The temple is where you encounter God. If you run a business out of your home the temple is there in your business if you're looking after your kids or your grandkids the temple is there with you if you're out and about on the streets driving around as a salesperson the temple is with you as you worship and pray in your car it's important as lockdown unlocks don't revert to a way of thinking that says we need a special place no it's a wonderful privilege together i'm so excited about being back in the room together but that's not the temple that's not the temple. And number five, the final thing. We see here a father grieving for the death of his son. We see that salvation has come. So finally, the, the rending of cloth of your garments is a sign of mourning. You see it so often in the Bible. Somebody's child dies. And the father tears his clothes with like anguish. And so tearing your clothes is a sign of mourning. The, the curtain is purple, remember. That's a, a royal color. It's what a king wears because it's the home of God. It's the throne of God. And so the father, the king, is tearing his royal robes in anguish at the death of his beloved son. His only begotten son, his one and only son, his beloved son, his most precious asset, creation's most precious resource, the, the crown prince of the cosmos, offered in sacrifice in place of you and of me, offered in your place, offered in my place. And so we see the anguish of the father because he loves his son, but he loves us so much that he will offer up his son as the only way of bringing us into his love. Salvation has come. Feel the love of the father in the anguish at the death of his son. Feel his love for you. 
as I feel his love for me. And so five things that the the tearing of the temple curtain can say to us. I, I wonder which of them speaks to you today. I wonder which of them speaks to you today. Put it in the chat. Tell a friend. Text a friend. These are the five. Access. The cherubim have been fired. We come home. Number two, unveiling. The the sky is rent and God comes to us. Number three, rescue. The Red Sea is opened and we come out. Number four, newness. The fullness of time has come. We don't need a temple because we've got Jesus. And number five, sacrifice. Salvation has come. And we see the love of God in the anguish of a father for his son as he dies. God bless you.